Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast, teaching business owners the not-so-secret techniques that took famous businesses from mom-and-pop to major brands. Stephen Semple is a marketing consultant, story collector, and storyteller. I'm Stephen's sidekick and business partner, Dave Young. Before we get into today's episode, a word from our sponsor, which is, well, it's us. But we're highlighting ads we've written and produced for our clients. So here's one of those. I'm Sir Richard Poshingham from Poshingham's Extra Fine Jewelry. Hi, Sir Richard. Hello, Mark Tapper. How are things in the, um... The mall? No need to be vulgar. Love the people we meet there. Not exactly the sort we want to attract. What do you mean? Oh, you know, more refined. You know, Kelly is one of our bridal experts at Tapper's Jewelry, and she always says... I can't wait. If you can't help a guest who's come for the most affordable item in the store, then you'll never be able to help someone who wants the most expensive piece in the store. But upscale customers deserve to be treated better. No, everyone deserves to be treated better. Well, (laughs) agree to disagree. See you later, Sir Richard. I like you, Mark. You're the right kind of people. (laughs) Just don't get it, do you? Tappers, tell us your story. At Tappers Jewelry, we want to hear your story. Everybody has one, and we'll help make yours legendary. Well, here on the Empire Builders podcast, we share stories about all kinds of businesses. And, uh, you know, I, I grew up in Nebraska. And so when Steve said, we're, we're going to talk about De Beers, I figured Bud Light, Coors Light, but he's Canadian. So maybe it's maybe it's Labatt's Blue. We drank some of that in college. But turns out we're not even talking about beer when we talk about De Beers. <laughs> no, not those De Beers. <laughs> no, this is this is the uh, Diamond De Beers. <laughs> this is the Diamond De Beers. Yeah, <laughs> it's a really interesting story because they really invented the idea of diamonds for engagement. You know, mm-hmm. we we forget that there was a time when diamond rings were not the standard for engagement in the late 1920s. Only 10 percent of engagement rings were diamonds. Mm. Only 10%. Where today it's 80. And they were the ones that really drove that. And De Beers has got a really interesting playbook. I'll lay out the six things in their playbook and we're we're gonna study some because one is control supply. And they had an interesting way that they controlled supply. And the reason why they wanted to control supply is if you grow demand, you get most of that demand. And they also believed in limiting distribution. Now, the supply control and the distribution, that's since been shattered. But the whole idea is to create scarcity. And there's an interesting thing to that. But the big thing is what they wanted to do was also create demand. So they were, you know, facing a similar challenge to another podcast we did, which was Michelin, where I need to create more demand for my product. But what they also wanted to do was link spending to success. And they wanted to define the value and use price as a marketing strategy. So here's what they did. Most businesses, when it comes to using price as a marketing strategy, what we find is most is lower price, right? Right. Not De Beers. We'll get to that a little bit later. So before World War II, you know, there was the Depression and De Beers was starting to sell diamonds and they had this real fear 
a risk of people selling their diamonds. And they wanted people to keep their diamonds because they didn't want to have a flood of diamonds onto the marketplace. So their first advertising campaign was really developed around this idea of encouraging people to keep their diamonds. So it really wasn't about initially selling them more diamonds. It was about keeping the diamonds, remember? Limit supply. So they hired an ad agency, NWA and Sons. And one of the people there, Mary Frances Garrity in 1948, coined the term, a diamond is forever. Okay. 1948. So that's where that started. So there's this halo effect, right? When you attach your product to other things that are really famous or valuable. If I take something that's valuable and I put something next to it that's valuable, it's perceived to be valuable, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what they did is they ran magazine ads with paintings by famous artists. Right. So those diamonds are also a work of art and diamonds are also valuable. And and these were like famous artists like Picasso. And we'll have some examples of those um, in the show notes. But it's also really funny when we go back just to give you and they, they were one of the first to do product placement in a movie in 1939. Gone with the wind. What does Scarlett O'Hara ask for from Red? I want a big old diamond, you know, big enough to choke a horse, right? And at that time, remember, only 10% of engagement rings were diamonds. That was product placement. Now, that's cool. So in 1939, it's 10%. 1948, they start running Diamonds is Forever campaign and they start doing the magazine ads with the famous painters. By 1950, one third of all engagement rings were now diamond rings. By the 1990s, this number became 80%. So this huge growth. Here's where it gets really interesting. This campaign worked so well that they decided to do it in Japan. So in 1967, in Japan, hardly any engagement rings were diamonds. They took the very same campaign that they ran in the United States, and one could argue, oh, but Japan's different, right? Like how many times, Dave, have we heard clients say, well, that worked in Texas. It's really not going to work in Oklahoma, right? Yeah. They took a campaign that worked in the United States and they took it to Japan. And in 1967, hardly any engagement rings were diamonds. And by the mid 1980s, mm-hmm. 70% of engagement rings were diamonds. All right. So Japanese people are buying diamonds now. Based upon a campaign that worked in the United States. Hmm. So then they said, let's go to China. Did they create a campaign specifically for the Chinese market? No, they ran the same campaign again, the one that they ran in the United States and the one they ran in Japan and they ran it in China. Diamond is forever. Same result because people are people. Yeah. In a couple of decades, half of the engagement rings in China are now diamonds. Amazing. And back to this pricing thing we said we come back to where as a pricing strategy, most businesses would go cheaper, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, there's three classes of goods. Economists talk about that. There's elastic goods, inelastic goods. So elastic demand means I lower the price, demand goes up. Inelastic means I change the price and demand doesn't change. And then there's what's called Veblen goods. This is, you can look this up. Economists talk about it. And it is ones where you increase the price, you actually increase the demand. There are actually products and services out there that when you increase the price, you increase demand. And there's some really interesting studies of bread makers that have been sold through Williams-Sonoma where they've had this happen, where they've increased the price and demand has gone up. Don't automatically assume 
I lower price, I increase demand. Demand may go up if it's elastic. Mm-hmm. Demand may remain the same if it's inelastic, or demand may go down if it's a Veblen good. V-E-B-L-E-N. And it's named after the economist who actually uncovered this idea. And he was the economist who also coined the term conspicuous consumption. Okay. Okay. And here's the weird thing. Studies have shown men are more connected to diamonds than women, actually. Studies have shown that men would sacrifice more than a woman in order to buy a diamond. Although men joke, it's the woman who wants the big rock, but deep down inside, it's the men. It's a sign of success. Yeah. And women care less about this than men. It would be easy if you did focus groups on this. It would be easy to come to the conclusion if you listen to the women that none of this is important, but it's also why they linked it to salary. Yeah. In a, in a society where none of us want to talk about how much we make. Right. We have these things that show how much we make. Yeah, absolutely. And diamonds became very, very much that way. It was Thornstein Veblen who basically coined the term, and he's the economist who coined the term conspicuous consumption. But pricing strategies have a couple of different directions that they can go. But to me, the most interesting lesson in all of this that anybody can take away is... Stay tuned. We're going to wrap up this story and tell you how to apply this lesson to your business right after this. How's business? Yeah, good. Why isn't it great? We we were growing 20, 30% every year for five years. Then we went flat in the last three. Growth used to be easy. Now, nothing we do seems to have the same effect anymore. If you're not growing, you're dying. And I can't stand to think we've hit the top and are coming back down. So you build a hell of a castle and you're worried. Maybe it's time to build an empire. Huh? What you got here won't get you to where you want to go. You need a fresh perspective. There's these guys that are looking for business owners just like you. Smart, customer-focused, but with flat sales. What do they do? Build empires, but they don't work with just anyone. You have to be customer-focused. So what exactly do they do? Some say they're marketers, but I call them crusaders. Check out their website at empirebuilderprogram.com. Like what you see, set up a meeting. Crusaders, empires, castles. I think someone's been getting so old they're medieval. Empirebuilderprogram.com. Check it out before you become a dinosaur. You mean dragon. No, I mean dinosaur. They were good too, for a while. Sure you want to be just good? Empirebuilderprogram.com. Let's pick up our story where we left off, and trust me, you haven't missed a thing. But to me... The most interesting lesson in all of this that anybody can take away is it would be really easy to say that worked in the United States. It won't work in Japan. Well, it worked in Japan. Yeah. That worked in the United States and Japan won't work in China because China's got all this other stuff. Well, it worked in China. And the empires we've studied is what they've done is they take what's working and they multiply it right? Starbucks got their idea from Italy. And everybody said, well, that worked in Italy, won't work in the United States, worked in the United States, and then they multiplied it, right? Go outside your area, see what others are doing. And with globalization, this is becoming easier to see, but don't go, oh, that worked there, that won't work here. 
And then also, as you're expanding your business, if you want to grow, the best way to expand is take what's working in your town and move it down to the next town. I've had clients where where we know that we've grown them to the point where they're the dominant retailer or service provider in their town. And they're like struggling with that. They're telling us, how are we going to get more people? It's like, well, you're already at 40% of the market share and you can't really grow it past that. So yeah, you got to go to a new town. And it's even a safer thing to do than to open a new business. Because anytime you open a new business or do the death kill or line extension, you run all of these risks and don't get caught in this. Well, you know, that worked in Texas, won't work in Oklahoma. No, it'll work in Oklahoma. So that's the path to building an empire is find what works and repeat it. Yeah. Great lesson. And uh, I think next time you and I, we, we've been recording these, you know, over over Zoom because uh, of a pandemic, et cetera, et cetera. And the next time we get together, we we need to have the beers. <laughs> yeah, a couple of the beers. Cold the beers. <laughs> All right. Thanks, David. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please share us, subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and leave us a big, fat, juicy five-star rating and review at Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to schedule your own 90-minute Empire Building session, you can do it at empirebuildingprogram.com. <laughs>